wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. If you're listening to this in order, uh, it's late. But if you're just listening to this because you went back, you're not even going to notice. So, sometime anyway. in the future. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had COVID, so couldn't really talk. It's like the longest duration head cold. That's that's really what it was. Like a really bad head cold. Yeah. Well, that's. What they say, the whatever variant that's happening right now is pretty much seems to be that. So I was actually sick last week as well, and I thought I might have it, but did not, according to testing anyway. Made it three years. That was the first time. Well, that was your it. first time, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. First hey. time I tested positive, at least. So who knows? Anyway. Anyway. It was also, uh, let's hit on all the things. Uh, it was negative 40 here on Saturday. So I think you're exaggerating a little bit. No, it was. The wind chill was negative 40. Yeah. So therefore it was negative 40. No, it was not negative 40. Yes, it was. It feels like negative 40, but it's not actually negative 40. If you went outside, it doesn't matter what the air temp is because the wind chill is negative 40. Okay. You'll still get frostbite even faster. It was it was it was cold. It was cold. cold I heard it was cold. I mean, I don't know that it was cold because I don't, don't live there anymore because yeah. intelligence. Yeah. But it, uh, I heard it was pretty cold. I heard they had record-breaking temperatures on Mount Washington as well. So, Yeah, negative 108. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really cold. Yeah, it's as cold was as that the wind surface chill? of the that was, that was, was that actual air temperature or was that Air temp was negative 40, actually. Right. Right, so then wind temp... Well, Actually, air temp was, was negative, negative like, 48. Like, that broke that record. Insane. The winds were super high, and the lowest wind chill temperature... All I know is that I heard it was cold enough to break Bronco roofs. I only saw that once, so I don't know what that's about. It's made the rounds. I saw it, maybe the drive, I think, was talking about it today, and a couple other yeah, places, but... so... Whether it's legit or not, maybe something fell on it while it was cold. Yeah, I mean, it was assumption. extremely cold. What things can only be rated to a certain amount. Yeah, negative like, forty is not it. Yeah. Either way, if I bought a brand new Bronco and the roof just shattered because it was cold out, I'd be pretty ticked. So I guess we'll have to hold off and see what uh, actually happened there. But as of right now, I mean, yeah, unproven news story. But is, also, uh, like, yeah, if it's. If it's super cold and something hits it, then it's just going to shatter. Like if. Sure. Just say your windshield like, would. Bumpers. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll have like a seemingly not very hard hit of a bumper if it's really cold here and your bumper will just shatter. Yep. There's no flex in it because it's too cold. My Montero cover, the plastic buckles, it was so windy. The cold shattered the buckles and the straps. Oh, that's annoying. So that was blowing all over the place. That's annoying. You know what I use for those? Because the plastic buckles uh, around here wind up getting uh, chewed by dogs sometimes because they hang down and they flap and it's hard to keep the dogs away. So what I've used to keep it together is the nylon straps and then I attach them to the bottom of the cover with like really heavy clamps, like plastic clamps. And that usually keeps it keeps it down pretty well. Well, this one still had the eyelets. So I just put the Rubber it. bungee cords on it. 
Yeah, that works too. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway, so after all that boring conversation, weather and COVID, wintertime sucks in New England. Winter has been great here because it's, you know, not New England. So I have been doing project car stuff, so we'll be able to touch on that a little later. Um, in fact, why don't we just jump right into that today? Yeah, go for it, man. All right. So this is the big one. We've been waiting for this for a while. The 80, 80, excuse me, the 1980 Toyota Corolla that I picked up sometime last year. I've talked about my disdain for fender flares on not rusty cars because I hate seeing good sheet metal cut up for nothing. I finally got my fenders replaced on the front of the car. So I think we've covered it before on the rear of the car. They did not cut the fenders. They merely pulled them and drilled through the body to attach the flares. But at least they didn't actually cut the lips off. But in the front of the car, they took a sawzall to the fenders and they cut open the fender to put the flares on. Mm. Which is incredibly frustrating because I couldn't just, you know, take the flares off and bodywork the fenders. I needed to find fenders. So fortuitously, I was at one of our weekly car gatherings here and a young man with another Corolla parked next to me and he was commenting how he liked my wheels. I intended on replacing the wheels because while they weren't they weren't ugly by any means, they're not my style. You know, I'm more of a traditional era correct era of the car kind of a wheel guy. I always have been. Uh, and they were kind of much ugly. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're ugly. On the right car, they'd be okay. If they were on, like, I don't know, a newer Civic or something, they'd be fine. I guess. They're like the zero standard. offset 2010 wheels, like from the 2010s. Yeah. I don't know. No, they're fairly modern, I think. They, on a Miata, maybe, but whatever. So yeah, they were like a gray, a dark metal gray eight or nine spoke wheel. Like, the fronts were 15 by eights, the rears are 15 by nines, and they're zero offset. So they. Which is why they put flares in the car, obviously. That's too big for a Corolla. That being said, it was running 195 series tires on those 9-inch wide wheels. So I also don't like that big stretch look. So anyway, I wanted to change them. And he was mentioning how he likes them. And I was like, well, your car has the one-year-only 1980 nose. If you're interested in these wheels, you can't fit them on your car without cutting the front fenders, but I will trade you fenders. So I'll give you my fenders for your fenders. And I'll also give you the wheels because I don't want them. So this kid's like, I don't know, 20, 21 years old. So if somebody who had a set of wheels and I was 20, 21 years old, wanted to give them to me simply to change fenders that I would have to cut anyway to use them, I probably would have gone for it. And he definitely went for it. So that makes me happy because not only does he get a set of wheels for his car, we don't have to ruin another set of fenders to run them. Mm. So I and and oddly enough, his car is an 83, which is a square headlight front end, which is a different shape fender. But somebody in his car's past swapped to the 1980 front end. And his car is a kind of a light beigeish yellow color. It's actually the same color code as my 81 Cressida. Except when somebody swapped the nose of his car, they swapped a brown nose onto his car. Weird. So not only did I get fenders, but I have brown fenders. So the color is a little off. It's not quite as heavily metallic as the color of my car. It's probably the car color of my car was factory. But when my car was repainted, it was repainted with a little more, a little more of a root beer color versus just a the brown. But I'm much happier having a mismatched set of brown fenders with no fender flares than I am having the factory color, you know, or the, the color correct for the rest of the car fenders because the car needs paint anyway. So uh, unfortunately, they do have fender mirrors on them. Uh, I was not going to run fender mirrors in the car. And when I do do the rest of the car, I'll probably remove them and fill the holes that were created for those. Excuse me. Move a bit yawn right there. Apologize. You made me so, yawn. Yeah. It's so was, weird how was, that works. Very unprofessional right there of me. He just came out of nowhere. I'm even in the same room, though. Like, why does yeah, that work that way? We're so 3,000 miles apart. Life's mysteries. Yeah. I had a busy day today. Let's put it that way. So, anyway, it does have fender mirrors, which 
I don't hate, but I probably don't want to run when the car is done. I'd rather have just the factory stock door mirrors, but they're fine for now. So I haven't put my fenders back on the car yet because much like anything, we get that, what do we call it, Andrew? Project, project creep, scope creep, where we get into something and you decide you want to do more before you put it back together. Okay. So my car didn't have fender liners for who right. knows how long. Because when you cut the fender, he also oh, yeah, cut... Fit. Oh, yeah, they cut the outer mounting points for the fender liners. And also, I'm sure they would rub the wheels. So these new fenders that I got, I also got the fender liners. So I can put the fender liners in and make the car look more factory. But I want to take the areas where the sheet metal has been blasted by just the rocks while driving it and it's all bare metal. So I'm going to paint the inner fenders before I put it all back together. So the car right now is sitting on four jack stands. I need to get in there and get some degreaser and some soap and water and wash up underneath there. And I'm going to put a nice, just flat black coat on everything that's exposed so that when I put the new fender liners on and the fenders on, you won't be able to see any of the old stuff in there. Uh, It's not a huge deal right now. But that's one of those things that it's already done now. Car's apart. I might as well do it. So I don't have to do it when I paint the car later. Also, it'll just make it more pleasurable working on the car because the next step for the car, once I put these fenders and the wheels on, is going to be to update the suspension to make it all proper. So it's going to have the uh, Spit Modena by Enki wheels on it that you bought a couple years ago for the g20 that didn't actually fit unfortunately no so and then later on the road we traded them for a different set of wheels now they're in my possession and uh they match the car pretty much perfectly so they got that gold center and the polished lip and they're gonna look they're gonna look pretty nice in the car with a, a set of 195 probably 195 60 14s that's gonna match pretty much the overall height that i'm looking for and and make the car sit Sit low, but sit proper and just not look quite as ridiculous as with those 15 by nine zero offset wheels on it. So, but yeah, that makes two people happy. So I'm happy. I have good fenders. He's happy. He has flares and new wheels. Everything's good. He put the wheels in his car. His car is not quite as low as mine, so it doesn't even rub in the rear and the fronts are clear because of those flares and fenders. So he's stoked. I'm stoked. Everybody's happy. And uh, the Corolla is making that progress down the road. The beauty of it is, other than buying tires, which I was going to have to buy anyway, this whole thing cost me $0. Nice. I just had to do some labor. So I helped him take the fenders off his car, helped him put my fenders on his car. And then the only hiccup there really was, there are entirely too many bolts holding the fenders on the front. There's in a span of like four inches, there's five 10 millimeter bolts on each side that are just impossible to get to because it's an increasingly small area as you go up towards the bumper. And it just, it was, it was a nightmare getting the top bolts off, which means that the top bolts aren't going back in. And there's so many other bolts around them. It doesn't matter. It's totally fine. It doesn't actually affect anything. So that's going to be, that's going to be as is, but also, I the only big hiccup was somebody at some point glued the front fenders on my car. And I don't know what? why. Yeah. They used some kind of either two-part epoxy or super sticky tape along the top of the fender apron. So I had all the bolts off and the fenders wouldn't budge. I had to take a chisel and hammer and peel back the lip on the top of the fender to break the seal to get them off. They were glued on with so much material, there was no getting them off without absolutely destroying the lip of them. So he had to rebody work that on his car once he put it back together too, because there was no way to mount them. Just a disaster. That that took almost as long as getting all the bolts off, if not longer. Weird. So the, yeah, the whole swap took like three hours. It wasn't a big deal, except for that one part. So... Yeah, pretty, pretty stoked on that. I also drove the car down to, I don't know if you remember the guy who painted my Cressida a couple of years ago. Oh, yes. Uh, his name is Danny. He runs a shop called Prism Auto Design. 
So I trust him pretty exclusively for, for body work out here. I brought the car down to him because it does have that bend in the frame rail. That's, I don't know, probably a foot from the front of the frame rail back. So it's right near where the suspension mounting points are because I want to have that straightened out before I do all the new suspension in the car as well. So once I get that straightened out, it's going to have the frame rail be even on both sides because right now the bumper is kicked up a little bit on the passenger side. So I'll have the frame rail taken care of. I'm not I'm not having him body work it other than just making it pretty straight and getting it looking half decent and then I'll finish body working that here. Um, then I'll put the new suspension on and I uh, have sourced a set of JDM chrome thin line bumpers to put the, the JDM style bumpers in the front and uh, really start transforming this car for not a lot of money. It's uh, cool. Yeah, it's making me pretty happy. It's a, it's been a pretty good car, so I think it's fun to treat to this kind of stuff. So those are the project updates. I'm waiting for his quote now to get that taken care of, and I'll bring that down to him and get that straightened out so I can move on to the next step. So uh, that's the only real project update I've had here. Uh, I ha- unfortunately have had a pretty busy week since, or two weeks since we last recorded, and I haven't had a chance to f- figure out the rest of the Mercore. I have the parts here just... I got to shuffle things around and get to working on it. And uh, I have a down date, a small down date. I did a scouting trip for the West Coast Four Noon Cup with a friend, a friend out here. We took right. my '78 Colt and his '76 Celica liftback, right. and I snapped one of the the pop out windows on the Colt. They have a latch inside. It's plastic, and it's been cracked since I bought the car. I thought you had three D uh, printed ones for that. It finally snapped. I that's we're getting there. I do have three D printed ones to change them out. I haven't done it yet, but that's uh, that's in the list. I wasn't going to put them in until the part broke because I figured, you know, it was wasn't worth in case you know they wind up breaking. Why why use them now? The part still worked, but unfortunately, the part did break. So now I need to actually change it over. So. Small down date, but that'll be fixed. Hopefully tomorrow. Actually, it's in my in my list of things to do tomorrow. So tomorrow is finished getting the fenders on the Corolla, get tires for the wheels, and uh, have that car all sorted and fix the Colt. So some project car updates. But yeah, we did a forenoon cup kind of scouting run. We're looking at doing it in the next thirty days, and uh, keep your eyes peeled for that um, on the Discord channel. And if I know you local, I'll message you and we'll figure it out. So, or if you hear this and you want to know what it's about, feel free to message me either on the auto off topic page or my personal Instagram page, uh, the TSI SS three five zero. Cause sometimes the Instagram logarithm for messages now is weird on a business page. So you might, the message might get lost if you message the auto off topic page. So yeah, those are my uh, project car updates out here, Andrew. So I don't nice. think I did anything else. I think it's basically All right. It. Well, speaking of Discord, I last week set up a new Dirt Rally Championship for us. Excellent. Uh, I made a channel for it in Discord, so you come hang out. Or you might be from before. You might already be in our Dirt Rally Club. So that's active. I made it active for two weeks. There's a week left on it. Probably five days left on it by the time this podcast goes up. Yep. <clears throat> time. I was trying to give people enough time to get their sim rig set back up or whatever it's uh all h2 so front wheel drive basically your only choice is the golf or the pug yeah the 205 gti yep and the first one is monte carlo oh good right into the right into the the hardest one you can do well it was the first of the season so yeah it makes sense let's try to coincide with that and then it's you know winter time, so that's a winterish one, and then the next one will be Sweden. That's all snow. I actually I forget, I forget what I, like I did for the Sweden. other ones. I like the Sweden track a lot, the Sweden mm-hmm. stage a lot, because it's not as unpredictable as Monte Carlo, or Monte Carlo is yeah. sometimes grip, sometimes none. And we've had a couple people download Dirt Rally Two to play because okay. it's like really cheap now to buy. And I think someone said if it's on, it's like on Xbox Game Pass. So if you've got the Game Pass, 
It's basically free. Yeah, it's basically free. Perfect. Yep, sign up for that. That'll be fun. I need to make my run, but the full two weeks for the event is uh, pretty good, so I can get in there and do it. Yeah, so speaking, yeah, Motorsport started back up. I don't think we talked about the Daytona 24 hours. We have not. We haven't recorded since then. That was a cool race. Uh, GTP cars are back. They're hybrid. Yep. Um, there was Porsches, there's Cadillacs, uh, Acuras. It seems like the hybrid, now correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't, unfortunately I was busy. I didn't get to watch too much or learn too much about it, but were they hybrid much on track or was it only basically like on under caution or in the pits? Uh, I think, yeah, I think they'd use hybrid for, uh, boost basically. Uh, okay. They'd leave like the, the pits in a hybrid. Kind of and yeah, I think under, under caution, they, they might cruise on it. Okay. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know much, much about them. Unfortunately, I couldn't pay too much attention, but it seemed to be a pretty good event. And the GTP class seemed to be like, I don't know. People were saying it was a callback to like the old GTP cars and it actually seemed to be a legitimate time, like a, a legitimate callback to it. Like it was actually good. Mm-hmm. It was a good race. So. Awesome. It was cool. I wish I saw more of it. Unfortunately, I didn't. And then a week later, we're getting into the Bush Clash is back. Yes. And also, actually, before that, because it's the time difference was the Bathurst 12 hour. Yep. Which is cool that they just they just live stream it on YouTube. There's no like blackouts or anything. So it's super yep. easy to watch now. Yeah, I think it's also on the Motor Trend app if you have that. But it's probably the same coverage on YouTube, so it's fine. It's even easier on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, which that's is nice cool. Thing. I saw I saw some highlights and clips of that. I I do wish we had V8 rear drive Altimus here, but you know. <laughs> did you watch the mixed sedans? I think it was called. I did not. So mixed sedans is like kind of cars that are like a little bit older race cars. They wouldn't, they used to run them all together, I guess, but now they split out the Bathurst to just GT3 class cars because the okay. closing speeds are too ridiculous. So like mixed sedans are like, they've got aero, but you'll have like some Corvettes and like Mustangs and stuff like that. Which I can cars from like 2010 probably. There was even some older, I mean, there was an, like an R34 Skyline was this thing. Okay, so early did you watch the video of the Skyline that was an absolute rocket ship? No, I have not watched it yet. Okay. I guess I'll have to watch it. Was it an R34? I think so. Or R35? No, R34. Okay. Like, uh, he like basically the guy like tuned it for the straights. It's like, so his Gran Turismo or Forza things. When you've got the fully built car and you enter it in one of the lower races, you just blast by everybody on the straight. Yep. And you like maybe barely make the corner and then just keep blasting away from everybody on the straights. Right. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Halfway through the race, you need brakes. Yeah. So that was pretty crazy. The um, the endurance part, the, the normal part of the 12 hour, that was pretty cool too. Some good racing. Um, that's definitely a bucket list race to go see. Yeah, that'd be a fun one. I'd love to go to see anything at that track. I think mm-hmm. my favorite thing, I don't know if they still run it there or not, but they used to do the uh, improved touring there, which was like cars from the 60s through the 90s that were just, you know, full grip cars to run there. There's a couple of videos. I think one of my favorite videos is like a 73 Toyota Celica racing a 94 Civic hatchback. And it's just in, impressive, impressively close racing. So cool mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I'd love to go see some of that stuff out there. There's some. There's also some videos from in period of Starions racing at Bathurst that are just some of my favorite go-to videos on YouTube. So mm-hmm. definitely a cool track. And then it was Clash Weekend. Which was very fun. Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of didn't know what to expect last year. 
And now this year, yeah, it was like all bets are off. Like, yep, it was pretty darn good. Well, there were a couple of things that were improved this year. So they weren't coming into the event as the first event with a new car. Right. So they'd already made improvements. Like they weren't breaking gearboxes or axles like they were last year. And the tow link debacle of last year had been straightened out. So right. it wasn't like minor contact bent a tow link every time like last year. It was it took a much heavier hit. They also softened part of the chassis on the cars because there were unfortunately a couple of concussions last year when cars backed into walls because the yeah. cars were too stiff. So they they softened a like hey I guess if you liken it to a, a street car kind of like a crumple zone. So they made a yes. section of the chassis that absorbs the impact before that impact goes to the driver. So that's those are all obviously positive things. Um, one thing I will say is the entire event last year had five cautions, and this one had 17. <laughs> it was it was quite a quite a bit of spins, especially in turn two. It's they like added mufflers turn... to the cars too. Yes, they added mufflers just because it's inside that bowl. Yeah, so. but it was cooler because then you could actually hear, like the in-car, you could hear the it, transmission yeah, more. It wasn't like they weren't loud. No. So it wasn't like they, they took NASCAR and neutered it. It was certainly still loud. But yeah, you, like you said, you could hear the transmission from the in-car and you could hear tires squealing on the track. It's like when I, I'll wear earplugs at like a concert. It like doesn't make the music quieter, but it takes out like the reverberation that like bothers sure. me in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> Like just, yeah, no, just cuts it just enough. Yeah, it brings it brings it down to a level of uh, sanity. So and the uh, yeah, they did that, and then it's cool because you could you could hear them when the front end would slide. You could hear the tire screeching. Yep, or when they spun around. Yeah. So one thing I was thinking, you know, with the five cautions versus sixteen or seventeen cautions this year, every track they run on is the same surface year after year after year after year. This track is ridiculous because they build the track, pour the asphalt, and then after the race is over, tear it all up. They don't leave it for next year. So the racing surface is different. And I wonder if that kind of factored into there being so many spins this year because they all expected the grip level of last year, went in with the cars set up like last year, with last year's tire choices, and then you know had a much less grippy <laughs> surface for some reason. And the cars just were spinning. I mean, most of the spins were caused by contact in the uh, driver's side. I thought they like also gave panel. it a wider tire in the back, too. Did they? Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed weird. There were so many spins this year compared to last year when it's the same drivers and the same track and the same cars. Yeah, people are racing harder, though. You think they're racing harder? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There were, there were a lot of, uh, like I said, most spins were caused by a car in the back on the inside, usually in turn two, you know, contacting the left side quarter panel behind the tire and dumping the car basically around. So the other thing some is, were more egregious than others, but it's all racing at that point. I mean, the other thing is, too, they realized that with the how tough the bodies are, they could beat off each other mm-hmm. and it wouldn't wreck the cars too much. And, the, and you're not going fast enough that the arrow matters. No, I think the qualifying speed was like, what, 68 miles an hour? Yeah. And honestly, 82, 83 miles an hour on the stretch. Yeah, you're right. There was only like a couple of clean crossovers and the rest was just bump and dumps. Yep. Which is short track stuff. I mean, that's what you're going to see if you go to like a quarter mile dirt track in Pennsylvania. There's people like, oh, it's like it was too rough. Like, like, okay, that's what do you expect? Uh, It's better than like big one to that. Better than Formula One, where they if they touch the cars, just explode. Well, and that, that goes back to what I said earlier. Like they got to the point where they fixed the suspension components that were bending too easily, so now they can you know have a little bit more door to door contact without bending those you know toe links in the rear, especially. And the bodies have enough give that they allow a little bit of bumping. And I don't know. NASCAR was built on rubbing his racing, right? I mean, isn't that what has been from day one with NASCAR. Well, what are they going to do? So now let's pass do each other? Yeah. And then they have Formula One again. Just a bunch of cars driving in a line. No passing. I'm, I'm way into it. And I've said this a thousand times last year. Like everything NASCAR is doing right now. 
even if the individual experiment doesn't work each time, at least they're trying stuff and they're trying to be, you know, relevant and trying to make changes to make it more competitive and make it more fun. And I'm thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed last year's season. And I know the clash isn't technically part of the season. It's kind of like a exhibition doesn't count for points or anything. It's just TV ratings and get sponsors cars out there at prime time. But it, uh, it was, it was a fun way to start the season. And I think it's going to, it at least shows what kind of season we're going to be in for. I think it's going to be a lot more aggressive this season overall, even on the bigger tracks. You know, there aren't a lot of small tracks other than this in Bristol. And, you know, they do two races at Bristol. And one Bristol's of them is dirt. dirt. Yeah. They do, they do a Bristol pavement race too, still, I think, though. What about, um, what's Dover? Am I thinking of Dover? Dover's is, bigger. What's the one that's the total, like, bowl? Bristol. That's not, that is Bristol. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Bristol's the bowl. So it's like okay. a quarter mile oval. So it, it's bigger than the Coliseum track. I don't remember how big the Coliseum track is, but. They said a quarter mile. Is it a quarter mile? Yeah. All right, fine. Maybe Bristol's. I I'm, thought Bristol was a different length, but I'm. Ah, stupid facts. Am so I. Recording live and not being able to look things up. It's, yeah, but I am I thinking of the right track that where it's like Bristol has the extreme. Uh, banking. Banking. Okay. Yep. No question. Couldn't, couldn't remember, but um, no, it's like, oh, we should bring the they should, they should put it back to Daytona. Like, no, it's super lame. You have two back to back Daytona races. So Who Bristol's cares? a half mile. Okay. So it's a, it's much it's much it's twice the size of the Coliseum track. <laughs> but also, they should like well, oh, they're going to Wilkesboro Speedway this year for the yep. All Star. That's a half mile too, isn't it? Yeah, and that's cool because they basically rebuilt that racetrack for that. Yep, that's one of the ones they visited on that Dale Earnhardt Jr. show. Yeah. Where he goes to the old tracks and they talk about them. Which is what, if there's some old tracks that are still around, they should do that every, like, just that should be like a rotating event. Just pick some small town track. Yeah. Like, that's a a cool way to give back to people that are fans. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I'm into it. And that was the other thing. Uh, they proved they can run on dirt now, too. So if it's dirt track, who cares? Yeah. What was the... Uh, oh, my gosh. Who's the announcer? Which one? Uh, what is his name? He brought up the, the Pinto Revolution. Yes. Uh, I don't remember the announcer's name right now because he put me on the spot. But, yeah, it's it was neat because we used to rally cross all the time at Stafford Speedway. Yeah, and it was the neat hearing the broadcast like, of a NASCAR what? race talk about Stafford Speedway. Well, like, that wait, one what? driver, his last name is Pierce. 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 Yeah, Pierce. Um, he's from Connecticut, so his yeah. home track was Stafford, which is why they were bringing it up. But then he started talking about how what Stafford Speedway means to NASCAR and racing in general, and the history of it, where that went from being the old jalopy track to you know, the more modern era of NASCAR style cars was kind of born there, which is pretty cool, actually. I didn't yeah. know any of that. Didn't know any of that history. And where they went from being just, you know, old junkyard sedans to being like purpose built race cars. So very, very cool stuff. And that's on obviously not, you know, the cup level. That's on, you know, more of a, a local track level. So yeah, it was uh it was it was super cool to watch the race. Uh I I enjoyed every minute of it. Um there was a lot of up and down emotion from everybody. You know, you were winning the race. Didn't mean you're going to win the race because you could get bumped from behind and spun around pretty, pretty easily. So I know, you know, towards the end, Bubba Wallace was leading, but he got there because he bumped Denny Hamlin out of the way. So yeah. <laughs> and then he got bumped out of the way and it's like, oh, well, it is what it is. So <laughs> it all kind of, uh, all kind of filtered out in the end. And uh, who won the race, Andrew? It was, uh, Martin Truex, Truex Jr. Yep, Truex Jr. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty into it. There was one more thing I wanted to bring up about NASCAR this year, and I had it in my head a second ago, and and now it has now it has escaped me. So that stinks. Shoot. I don't think we talked about the Garage Fifty Six car. Nope. That thing is dope. Oh my god. Which car is that? It's the next gen Cup car. That's built for Lamar. 
Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that car. Yes, one hundred percent. Garage fifty six. Yep. We yep. did talk about that when it was first announced. We did. Yep. But they did testing after Daytona with it. Yep. Yeah, it's the got Camaro. the lights in it. It's got all the dive planes on it. Yep. Super they were cool. testing driver changes, so they go through the window. Yep. It still gets solid doors. Uh, they're gonna jack it up with hydraulic jack or the regular jack like a NASCAR. Yep. No air jacks. Um, it's really really cool, and it was supposedly running times that were consistent with the uh, GT3 cars, at, which is amazing. Uh, Rolex at uh, the Daytona road course. So yeah, that should be very very cool. Yeah, there's there was this is not the first time this has happened either because the back of the seventies was it Pearson's car. Uh, there was one that ran before. Yeah, I don't know who it is though. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was a, it was a red and white vehicle. Um, I think it was the Pure Later. Oh man, all this stupid stuff is gonna kill me right now. They had like strapped fog lights to the front of it, and it's happened. Mm-hmm. It's happened before. I know that, so it's it's cool to see it happening again. So I had to look real fast here. I had to look it up, but it looks like Fireball Roberts was a NASCAR driver who has run in Le Mans before, in Le Mans before, but did it in a Ferrari. But there was a number four Dodge Charger. So in 1976, two NASCAR coupes were there. So one Torino and one Dodge Charger. So it's not the first time it's happened, but it's definitely cool to see it happen again. So I'm into it. Like, the car looks really cool. Like it looks really cool. It's definitely going to make me watch a lot more Le Mans. I watch it anyway, usually, but I'll be rooting for the, rooting for the Camaro this year. That's going to be fun. Plus Camaro endurance racing cars are some of my favorite cars of all time. If you go back and you do a Google search for Camaro endurance racing cars, first and second gen, some of the coolest looking Camaros ever built were built for those, those races. You know, slightly widened fenders, big deep tires, and all the driving fog lights attached to the front. You know, as Lama cars had at that time. It's just, it's so good. Everything about it is so good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm way into that. So, speaking of racing, Andrew. Yeah. I was in my backyard last week. Right. Uh, manning the grill. Grilling up some... Uh, I'm going to kind of kill my whole manning the grill thing here grilling up some nice veggie burgers and i heard in the background what sounded like a dirt bike race just like ambient in the air you know i don't know if you kind of know what a dirt bike race kind of sounds or it's kind of that wah, 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 kind of noise like it's going kind of up and down up hmm. and down up and down up and down and i was like that's weird and then i heard it a little bit more and i was like all right maybe they're not dirt bikes it sounds like it almost sounds like sport bikes, like racing on a track. It doesn't sound like, because sometimes I'll hear sport bikes because I live close enough to the highway that some of these like straight piped thousand CC bikes will go by and you can hear them at the house. But this wasn't like that. It was a little bit muffled. It had that motorcycle sound and it was, you know, consistent up and down from high RPM to like a steady low RPM to a high RPM. I was like, that's weird. And then it stopped. And then maybe a minute after it stopped, I heard the very distinctive sound of air ratchets, like going like crazy, like not just one air ratchet, just like a bunch of air ratchets, like a NASCAR pit stop. I was like, what, what is happening? So I had to do a little Googling and figure out what was going on. Cause I was like, there's definitely some kind of racing happening in my neighborhood right now. And I don't know how that's possible because there's no racetracks in my neighborhood. It turns out I was wrong. There is a racetrack 10 minutes from my house. I've lived here for three years. Well, it'll be three years in May, so almost three years. I spent a month there, and I wouldn't have guessed this. Well, when you were here, there was no racing going on, so you wouldn't have heard it. Yeah, but it's like a grid pattern neighborhood. Yeah, well, on the outskirts of this grid pattern neighborhood is the Adobe Mountain Speedway. Mm. It is a fifth-mile dirt track, so not quite a quarter mile. It's a little less than a quarter mile. And what I heard was 600cc, so motorcycle engine, mm-hmm. midget cars, 
full winged midget guards running around the track. And then when they stop, obviously the air ratchets that I heard were air ratchets pulling off wheels and tires. So I did a little more Googling and a little more research to figure out what the schedule is up there. Uh, I know you're actually coming out to visit again in a few weeks. And I know, we're going to miss the, the NASCAR race there. You're going to miss the NASCAR race, Just but miss you're it. here for an event there. And you're here for yeah. the NHRA Nationals. So that'll be kind of cool if we get to those. But we're definitely going to go to Adobe Speedway because we might as well. It's right around the corner. It's probably not so loud that we can't take Marco as well, and Marco will love it. Um, I forget what event is happening that day, but not only do they run 600 seats, so there's, there's two oval tracks built into one there. They either do the fifth mile oval or they have a smaller tenth mile oval. They use the tenth mile oval for go-karts, and they use the fifth mile oval for these 600cc midget cars, and they also do flat track motorcycle racing, which... I don't know how familiar you are with flat track, but those are the motorcycles that don't have front brakes and they just go sideways around the track the whole time. Yeah. So super rad to watch and I'm super excited and they're doing a flat track race this Saturday night and I will be there for sure. So expect plenty of pictures. <laughs> nice. It's it's literally like the Friday night races or Thursday, Friday, Saturday races they do. If you go to a Thursday night, it's literally free to spectate according to the website. And then, like, on a Saturday night, the main event is, like, $10. So, I, I don't know how I didn't know this was there. I've never heard it in the past before. The only thing I can think is that just the air that night was just just right that the sound was carrying towards my house. And I just heard it loud enough that I was like, holy crap, there's race cars somewhere in my neighborhood. I need to know what's going on. So, uh, hopefully, I have a report by next episode where I can tell you how cool the, how cool the event space is. But... I'm pretty stoked on on going up there and checking that out and uh, seeing this flat track racing this weekend. So way into it. That's going to be cool. Sweet. Yep. Yeah, as a local, uh, there's some friends here that like to go to Star Speedway. I got to go with them. I guess guess they have like a beer garden too. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, Star Speedway is more a traditional, I guess a quarter mile oval and they do a lot of the like what do they what do they call that racing where it's like uh uh super stocks or something they call them there's like yeah. little junkyard dodge neons with cages and they race them they're i guess doing a um panther chassis class okay but i know they also have like full on um modifieds and they run modifieds there which yeah. are the open wheel like it's like a nascar tube frame with not a full body on it i think they run yeah. those there too so Star Speedway is most famous because if you go on YouTube, you can find videos of the spectator drags that happen there as well. Which mm. the spectator drags are where you go out there with your street car and you pair off two cars at a time. And it's standing. So standing start one lap. And uh, unfortunately, there's no rules and people go out there with their nice street cars. And if you go out there with the wrong guy, they're allowed to bump you if they want. So there's definitely some uh, interesting videos of guys out there in very nice cars getting hit by some guy in a junk box trying to win. So it's definitely interesting, an interesting dynamic. We actually have some friends that have done that and uh, more power to them because I would not. Weird. So, yeah. Yeah. They're also famous for their Halloween howler, which is like 75 cars on track at once, just end to end. And it's basically a demo derby. So. It's an interesting place. If you've never been, you should go. I went a few years ago. So, but yeah, no, I'm stoked to check out this uh, this facility. They also have, it looks like they have RC car racing tracks on property, which is probably slightly dangerous for me to see. So, whatever. Anyway, what else we got going on, Andrew? Anything good? That's about it. That's about it. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. nothing else going on this week. I had some car news I wanted to go over, but then we had a whole debacle with my computer and I had it all on that computer and it's not in this computer. So we'll just go and guess everybody already knows their car news. So hopefully they learn it somewhere else because they're not learning it from us today. We had local <laughs> car news here that was a bit weird because uh, McMulkin Chevrolet up in Nashua. Okay. I think that's where they are. Yes, they are. Was was apparently the 
number one Corvette dealer last year. They have been for a long time. So they got to do allocations for the Easting Ray, or the heck it's called. E-Ray. E-Ray. Yep. So like right before it got cold, like dudes were waiting outside for like hours to get their allocation. Okay. It was on the local news. I was like, that's weird, but okay, sure. Interesting. Do you want to know a fun fact about McMulkin Chevrolet? Sure. I worked there for four hours. Oh, I didn't know that. I did. Well, it was four hours. <laughs> so if, uh, nope, this is pre-podcast days. I moved to actually Nashua, New Hampshire. Wait, this is like 10 years before the podcast. Yep. I moved to Nashua, New Hampshire for a short period of time. Uh, and I took a job up there because at the time I was working at a dealership in Danvers, Massachusetts, and the commute from Danvers, Massachusetts to Nashua was not worth the pay I was making at the dealership. So I got a job at a dealership in Nashua, which was McMulkin Chevrolet. And I was a parts counterman, and I had been a parts counterman in Massachusetts for a while, so I knew how to be a counterman. I worked at the Chevrolet dealer in Danvers. So I went up there, and they hired me as a, a, uh, a parts counter guy at a an hourly rate plus a sales commission, mm-hmm. which made sense to me at the time because the pay structure worked out to be about maybe what I had been making before, maybe a little bit more. So I took the job. I went in there and my first day I go in and I walked up to the parts counter and I introduced myself to all the parts guys because I hadn't met them yet. I only met the manager and they were like, oh, so what are you here for? I was like, oh, you hired me as a, a parts counter guy. And they were like, oh, we don't need one. And I was like, well, that's weird because I just quit my job and came up here to work here. And the manager came out and he's like, oh, yeah, hey, welcome here. We'll start start doing this. And I was like, okay. So he goes, wait, we need you out back. I was like, all right. He's like, well, we need you out back doing stocking shelves and stuff. I was like, okay. What about working the front counter? He's like, oh, we don't really need a front counter man right now. I was like, well, my pay is based on my hourly plus a commission on parts sales. He's like, yeah, you can fill when they go to lunch and stuff. And I was like, huh? So the, it was happened to be, it was an order day. I put all the parts away that morning and I was done by lunchtime. And I went out to the guy. And I was like, all right, I'm done putting all the parts away. You know, what should I do? You know, can I work the front counter now? And he's like, well, maybe you can sweep. I was like, excuse me. He's like, maybe you can sweep the floors. And I was like, okay. So I went out back and set the floors and then he came back and I was like, well, I'm going to lunch. And he goes, all right, excellent. And I went to lunch and I never went back. So <laughs> that was, that was my, uh, my four hours of employment at the Corvette selling capital of the United States because they uh, totally bait and switched me. And I was like, nope, that's not going to happen. I'll find another job at a dealership somewhere else. And that's when I went, I'm sure you do remember that I worked at the BMW dealer in Stratton, New Hampshire for a while. So I don't, but sure. Yeah, it was 20 years ago plus now. So it is what it is. Not 20 years ago? No, probably close to it. 15 years ago? I don't know. It was a long time ago. So I didn't live in Nashville very long. So I wound up working back down in Massachusetts again. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was four, four hours that I'll never forget because I've never, I've never walked out on a job before or since. And I definitely had never done it in such a quick span of time. So, oops. Yeah, the whole the whole bait and switch didn't work well for me there. So, yeah, I don't have good feelings about McMulkin Chevrolet, but I do know they are the largest Corvette dealer in, in the country. Weird. Oh, actually, one other funny story about McMulkin Chevrolet. They used to do an all Camaro Corvette day there where it was like a car show. And I went in my Camaro to it once. And there was a guy who was a couple cars over from me who all day long was dressing his tires with like tire shine all day long. He kept reapplying it all day when the shine would go away a little bit. He'd reapply it. But not only did he do it in the sidewall, he was doing the entire tread of the tire all day long. (laughs) And he crashed leaving the car show. And it was amazing. So he went to pull out onto the road that's in front of the dealership and immediately spun into the ditch. Immediately. Not even, hardly any throttle, just 
absolutely totally greasy tires. So that's another fun McMulkin Chevrolet show. McMulkin Chevrolet story, excuse me. So yeah, I have two two memories of that place, and those are it. <laughs> their their Corvette showroom is like three stories tall. It's crazy. That's how many Corvettes they have. So anyway, uh, social media time, Andrew. What do you want to push? Well, follow the podcast, Out Off Topic Podcast on Facebook. Don't really post much there. It's mostly on Instagram. Come over to Instagram, Out Off Topic uh, on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Erase and Anger. Uh, we've got Parked on the Block on Instagram. If you want to give us a follow there, put some more stuff up. Uh, Parked on the Block is also on Twitter. Apparently, there was a problem with Twitter today. It's broken again. Who knows? Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I am Race Nager on there. Race Nager on Instagram. Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter now. I haven't been very good at posting because I do not understand how it works, but I'll figure it out. Uh, I'm DeSantis underscore Brad because obviously I screwed that up too. Also, follow me on Instagram at TSISS350. Uh, Instagram also has Scale Autocast and all the other things that Andrew mentioned. And uh, obviously, Parked on the Block is our newest and thing we're pushing the most right now so follow us uh, all over the place just go to parkedontheblock.com actually yes yes please go to parkedontheblock.com uh, start reading the stories comment on the stories would be cool we're trying to get some comments going on that's really what we're trying to try to push for because that's how you build the community right yep and we do have auto conversation.com so you can go check yes. that out too yep. Yep. all kinds of stuff you can find us everywhere mm-hmm all right, keep the cars analog and aim for the roses. Thank you.